Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. You know, today job mobility is is very much a factor in the marketplace, uh, especially uh, among millennials and uh, those with particular skill sets who, who might be in demand. Uh, the days of, of joining one company and staying there for an extended career are, are increasingly rare, and we've we've looked at that on the podcast before. So uh, welcome back, everyone. This is Jim Mitchell. And, and when you combine certain industries in which um, client relationships are critical with an employee base uh, that is, is wired to move every few years, well, then there's the risk of at least the perception of business um, perhaps being stolen from, from one employer to another. Today we're going to focus our attention on the home health industry, a constantly growing market segment uh, that's that's based really on direct client relationships. And we'll discuss the possible need for non-compete or non-solicitation agreements with employees. And of course, uh, when you talk about those, you got to talk about the enforceability of them as well. So here to guide us through that topic is uh, Ted McGinn. Ted is a uh, partner at Lavelle Law Limited, spent the better part of two decades uh, deeply entrenched in, in home health law issues and is going to shed some light on the topic for us. So uh, good afternoon, Ted. Welcome back. Nice to talk to you again. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me. Always good to be here and participate in these podcasts. Yeah, um, a lot to a lot to cover. Good good topic today. Now, you know, I, it's funny when you think of um, maybe just general medicine, you know, second opinions are quite common and, and patients very likely to you know try several doctors before before they find a group that they might be comfortable with, um, and I think most medical practices expect this. But tell me about the home health business. It's certainly a different type of situation. I, I consider that to be more of a a business entity. Maybe that's not right, or perhaps it is. But do they do they take a different approach to protecting their customer base than than perhaps a medical practice would? Yeah, well, in the home healthcare industry, these issues are always looked at and very critical and very important to the lifeblood of any sort of home healthcare company. Uh, obviously, what keeps those businesses going and the lights on are the uh, patients that they have. You know, they spend a lot of time, money, uh, trying to build a practice, create some brand awareness, and create a patient census. The larger the census, the more value that agency has. So any threat to their patient base is always something that needs to be taken seriously. And they're always, you know, there's always there's a few strategies that they can, can consider to try to protect their patients. Yeah, and, and, then and one of those areas is a, is a non-compete, you know, non-solicitation yeah, so like, type agreements. Yeah, just talk about it because I, I want to set the stage here in terms of those home healthcare businesses. Um, the employees that work there do they are they contractors are they employees do they do they normally sign some sort of employee agreement what have you seen in in your practice well the nurses in home healthcare industry by law are required to be employees so that's that's the first concept that needs to be understood understood and and when they come and work for a home health care company, the question you ask, do they sign a, a contract? Not always. Not always. It's not something that's required. However, this office always recommends to its clients that they have their nurses execute employment contracts. And, and would you then recommend that that contract include a non-compete clause? 
Uh, we definitely would recommend certain language be included in the contract that would try to protect those patient relationships. Uh, and before we really jump into the enforceability issue, I want to take, uh, kind of comment generally on non-compete clauses and non-solicitation clauses. Uh, there's been some changes in the enforceability that, that happened over a decision that was rendered last year. Uh, but, but before last year, generally courts did not like these sort of contracts. They run afoul against the free enterprise system. Free enterprise, obviously, we are free to compete out there. It's good for the consumers if they have uh, all the uh, potential uh, providers out there able to compete. It's going to you're going to in theory provide a better service for a lower price. So courts are always kind of um, opposed to enforcing these sort of contracts. Now they would enforce them as long as they were narrowly tailored to protect a legitimate business interest, and they had to be drawn uh, in a certain way where they were reasonable in scope and duration. What I mean by scope and duration, uh, the, t the, the amount of years that the covenant exists, and then also the geographic area for which it covered. Um, you know, Generally, uh, covenants more than two years would be viewed as to be too long, too lengthy, and therefore not enforceable. Uh, geographic scope, generally, if, if you had a, you know, you can't compete for the entire United States, well, that was generally viewed to be too broad in, in, in geographic scope, and so therefore not enforceable. And and I want to just dial it back here for a minute, because you, you mentioned something there. You, you talked about non-compete clauses. You also mentioned non-solicitation, if I heard you correctly. Are, are those the same thing, just interchangeable terms? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, they're not the same thing. Uh, a non-compete is a covenant that would prohibit the individual from engaging in any sort of business enterprise that competes with its with their prior employer. A non-solicitation is is a little bit scaled back. It, it does it, it does not prohibit the competition, but it does prohibit that individual from soliciting certain individuals to be either patients for their competing operation or perhaps employees of their competing operation. And 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 generally, they're they're more likely to be enforced than just a broader non-compete because non-compete it, it just prohibits any sort of competition. A non-solicitation allows competition as long as you leave our patients alone or you leave our employees alone. So, so in that effect, if if uh, I have an employee and after some period of time they decide to go to work for another company and provide similar services, they may be free to go, but but there is a definitely a restriction on them approaching any of my current customers that they may have served personally. Um, that's where it becomes a a bit of an infraction then. Exactly, and and that's kind of an important uh, concept to understand in the home healthcare area because, quite commonly, nurses may work for multiple employers at the same time. You know, a nurse who may be trying to pick up some extra work here and there, uh, they may work for a couple different agencies, and many agencies don't mind that as long as you know you leave our patients alone. You know, you want to work for another employer, go right ahead, but don't don't take the patients that belong to us. Um, you know, so that so that's you know that's why non-solicitation clauses are much more prevalent in in home healthcare than you would see from a non-compete agreement. Okay, we're uh, we're talking to Attorney Ted McGinn today on Chicago's Legal Latte. Ted's a a partner at Lavelle Law Limited. He's he's got extensive experience in in corporate law and health health law, home health law in his practice. Um, been a, a frequent visitor here. 
and you also uh, can get updates from him online uh, where both his podcasts and articles he's written are, are available at lavellelaw.com, um, as well as any of the other 23 attorneys at lavellelaw.com is a, is a great source of information on a number of different legal topics and, and uh, has some very detailed information. Um, now, we've discussed on this podcast in the past um, non-compete agreements in, in general terms with some of your colleagues, Ted, and, and we've talked about the, you know, the business implications, I think, as we look at it from the home health industry, um, we see some different different angles here. You mentioned earlier what would be a reasonable sort of geographic limitation. Is that defined in some way in, in terms of a you know distance or mileage from a point of service? No, it's not really defined. This is a, a common law analysis. So what a court would do in that instance when they're considering a non-compete uh, agreement they're going to look at the business in question and decide if this geographic scope is too broad to protect that business interest. So if you have, for example, a business that operates in Cook County, but the covenant not to compete prohibits any sort of competition in the state of Illinois, a court is going to say that that is just simply too broad. It's not necessary. It's um, you know, unduly burdensome, and it goes beyond what is necessary in order to protect that business interest. Now, what makes things more challenging these days is with the advent of the Internet, a lot of businesses can do business throughout the entire country. Uh, now, that's, that goes beyond the scope of today's discussion because we were talking about home health care agencies, and, and they're typically limited in particular counties that they're licensed to do business. Okay. Okay. And, and is the same true then for, for time parameters? You you mentioned, I, I don't know if it was just a um, you know, just an example earlier. You know, two-year period is that is that sort of a standard that says, okay, you know, after that point, you're free to go. Yeah, anything uh, two years or more, it's it's kind of a red flag on enforceability. You know, less than one year, one year or less is usually seen to be uh, you know reasonable. Uh, you know, it, between one and two, again, that's typically considered to be reasonable depending on the circumstances. But there's something I do want to bring up before I forget. There's there's a decision in Illinois that was entered in 2014. It's the Fifield versus Premier Dealer Services uh, decision, and that kind of changed things up quite a bit because, as you mentioned at the very beginning, commonly in the past, these non-compete clauses or non-solicitation clauses would simply be included in the employment agreement, and mm -hmm. and and the enforceability stemmed from the fact that you know, the employee was receiving the position of employment, and that was viewed to be sufficient consideration to support the enforceability of the non-compete clause. After the FIFO decision, though, that's not the case anymore. The FIFO court held that there needs to be some other additional consideration other than just the continued employment to support the enforceability of the non-compete clause. So in other words, uh, when uh, a new employee comes to work for an agency, certainly you have them sign a contract, but then what we recommend is that, is that they have a separate agreement that contains the non-compete or the non-solicitation clause, and that separate agreement has some other separate consideration, maybe a $1,000 signing bonus, something that would uh, support uh, or provide for the consideration because in you know in any state you know in order for a contract to be enforceable there has to be consideration there has to be something given in exchange for that promise um, so so that's that's what the FIFO decision held 
And what that means is many of those agencies out there that in the past just had a simple covenant included in the employment agreement, they may need to look at that to, to, and, and, and decide whether or not that still remains enforceable today. And if it's not, they may need to have something drawn up to uh, that, that's separate from that employment agreement. And, and we've got just a minute or two left here. And I know that in the past you've also done some, some work, I think, around uh, intellectual property. Um, do you see in the home health law area that um, – you know, there are certain areas that might need protection because when we talk about people moving from one employer to another, that in other industries is a major concern. Does that come into play at all in this industry? Yeah, well, many times a client may come to us and they unfortunately didn't have their nurse sign a non-compete agreement or didn't have them sign a contract at all, and then the nurse is leaving and taking a block of patients with them, and the client is asking me, what do we do, what do we do? Well, in that situation, we look to the Trade Secret Act. Illinois has a Trade Secret Act that protects the misappropriation from trade secrets. Now, the big question is, is, is these, are these relationships with the patients considered a trade secret? Uh, that is something that's always litigated back and forth, and courts kind of come down on different sides of the issue depending on the facts and circumstances. You know, the way I view it is the identity of potential patients in a home health care area is private secret information it's not readily available in the marketplace it's not public information it's protected under hipaa it's required to maintain it's required to be kept private so that and it gives you a competitive advantage so i think that all those all the hallmarks of a trade secret and so if a nurse comes and you introduce that trade secret to a nurse in other words the the identity of these patients and then that nurse leaves and takes that information with them I think you have a very good argument that there's a trade secret misappropriation there, and therefore that gives you a theory to sue that nurse, that departing nurse, for damages under the Trade Secret Act. Um, well, great insight as always from Attorney Ted McGinn. Ted, I want to thank you for being with us today. Always great when you're here. Unfortunately, we uh, have run out of time, so we will let Ted go. And uh, just to remind you that uh, we're here each week with uh, with new conversations. And if you have a topic you'd like us to cover or a specific question you'd like to ask, just drop it to us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. 